be a soldier of the cross of Jesus. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You have to know the principle behind John 3.16. That's the word. Christ is enough. Christ is the enough. Is, when you read the Bible, when you understand how beautiful the presence of God is, you can't take it for granted. The Bible says that you must eat of this word daily. It's only the precious blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Christ is enough. Christ it's only the precious enough. blood of Jesus Christ that has power. Hello, this is Pastor Caleb Sukul. Thank you for tuning in into Calvary with Caleb Sukul. Please prepare your hearts as we listen to this week's sermon. I greet you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful again to come together in this fashion. We're still under lockdown conditions, but we can still gather in His name. Um, the only thing with that is that, you know, we mustn't get carried away and say, this is going to be the new normal. We cannot accept this to be the new normal. We reject it. What is normal is normal. Normal is meeting together physically, in person, to celebrate the name of Jesus. That is normal. This is what we're doing online. Um, this virtual Sunday morning service, this is not normal. So we cannot accept this as normal. We reject it. We will do it for reasons out of our control. But please, brothers and sisters, let's not accept this to be a normal. This is not the new normal. Maybe in the education department and going forward in the secular arena, they want to decentralize and they want people to work at home to save costs. That's fine. But um, we still have to gather in his name. Amen. We still have to gather in his name. So I thank you uh, that we can gather in his name. Amen. Now, for today's sermon, I want to preach on something that is very important to scripture. Uh, we're going to be talking about for what purpose did Christ give the ascension gift ministries? Amen. For what reason or what purpose did Christ give the ascension gift ministries? There are many great leaders in history and history is a great recorder. History records everything. History is a great teacher as well. History, we learn a lot of things from history. We learn the good, we learn the bad, we learn the rise and the rise, we learn the rise and the fall of leaders, of people. And it's not there for us to sit back and mock, it's there for us to learn from what these people have done. When they rose and they rose and they rise and they rise, it's for us to understand what did they do to get stronger and stronger. When they rose and they fell, it's for us to learn from their mistakes. Was it a matter of pride that they thought they were invincible, that they thought they had it all, that no one was going to touch them? So history is a great lesson. History is a great teacher. It has a lot of lessons for us to learn. History records a lot of great leaders. In South Africa, for example, we, we can talk about people like Nelson Mandela, Mohandas Gandhi, Dennis Goldberg, and Alan Busak. All these men were freedom fighters in their own right, which we can enjoy today. The freedom that we can enjoy today. These men and more, these men and more, and women included as well, 
were freedom fighters for the freedom that we can enjoy today in South Africa. Amen. In other countries, they have their own leaders. People that fought for civil rights, people that fought for equality, people that fought for good. Other countries have their own leaders as well. But it's important that people take a stand. There are, if I'm honest with you, there are also nefarious leaders. People such as Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin. Now these names, just the mention of these names, the first thing comes to mind is the loss of lives, the innocence that was taken away, the bloodshed. Not just a hundred, not just a thousand, but each of them claim millions by themselves. Millions, each of them claim millions by themselves. Collectively, the number, it's large. We're going into the hundreds of millions of what these men have done, of who these men have killed. And I mentioned these three names because they're popular. But there are other world leaders as well who are also murderers, who can add to the millions. You see, all the names mentioned were people of action. Yes, all the names mentioned, every name I mentioned, are people of action for the right reasons and for the wrong reasons. But they are people of action. They were committed to what they wanted to do. They sat down, they had a plan, and they executed that plan. For the right and for the wrong reasons, they still got it done. What does that mean for us? We have the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. We have no excuses to say we don't know what's right and what's wrong. We know exactly what's right and what's wrong. And when we plan as well, the Bible tells us to commit our plans unto the Lord. Yes, in prayer, but also we must search the scriptures that whatever we are planning to do must come in line with the scriptures. All these nefarious leaders, their plans did not come in line with scripture. It was never committed unto the Lord. When you understand Adolf Hitler, he thought he was doing the Lord's work by exterminating the Jews because the Jews rejected Christ. He really thought he was doing the Lord's work by exterminating the Jews. But that does not come in line with the word of God because the Jews will be saved. Amen. The Jews will be saved. If the Jews will be saved, why exterminate them? He took matters into his own hands. His plan did not line up with the word of God. And whatever we do as well, it must line up with the word of God. If we can find solace in that, then we can execute. We can take action. We must be people of action. But if it does not line up with the word of God, whatever our plans are, then we know this is not of God. We know this is not something that God will approve of. Because ultimately the Lord is the one who is control. The earth belongs to the Lord. We live under his sovereignty, under his sovereign rule. 
He has to bless us. And he cannot bless what he doesn't approve of. He's given us his written word to know, for us to know what he approves of. Our Bible also lists many great leaders, like King David. King David, we know him to be a man after God's own heart. He was a worshiper. But King David was also a warrior. To the extent God told him, your son will have to build a temple because there's too much of blood on your hands. You can't build this temple. You've killed too many people in war. But King David was also a politician. He unified Israel. All these men that I'm talking about are flawed. All are flawed. Every one of them are flawed. But it's a choice we make in our leadership to do right or to do wrong. It's our choice as leaders. It's our choice as people, as individuals, to use what God has given us for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons. And what has God given us? The very breath of life. We are alive today. We can use our life to bring glory to Christ, or we can choose to use our life in a way that will not bring glory to Christ. The choice is ours. Other leaders in the Bible are Peter. Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. The same Peter. God used Peter to start the church. How incredible is that? And we know Peter as well wasn't a perfect man. He was flawed like all of us. At one point, he even denied Christ. But Christ still brought him back, brought him back into the fold as a good shepherd and used him to start the church. And come to a person like Paul. Before his conversion, you know as well, he was a murderer, similar to Adolf Hitler. Hitler went after the Jews. Saul of Tarsus went after the Christians. Both thought they were doing the work of the Lord. Paul was a great man. Paul fought for the small man, the little man, the man without a voice. Why? Because when he was Saul, before his conversion, he went after the guy that had no voice and silenced people and killed people and abused the law. After his conversion, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And everything that he did wrong, he had to go now and fix it. Paul fought for true doctrine in the church that God used Peter to start. How powerful is that? All of our journeys interlink at some point, unknowing to us. But our message, our journey, our purpose, our work that we do for Christ, they all come together. That's wonderful to know because God is sovereign in all of this. Amen? And He is sovereign in all of this. The greatest leader of all time. Now this is something that we have to pay attention to. All these men were leaders, but the greatest leader of all time is Jesus Christ. Amen? Because He's the God-man. He's perfect in all of His ways. He is not flawed. All of us are flawed, but Christ was not flawed. Christ is not flawed, and Christ will never be flawed. Christ will always be perfect. And because of that, he's the God-man, and he's the perfect leader. He's the greatest leader of all time. 
when he gave instruction, it wasn't just ramblings that he said. He said it from a place of perfection. He knew exactly what he was saying. When he gave instructions, he knew exactly what he was saying. That's why the parables today are still so powerful. They hold so much of truth, the teachings of Jesus Christ, because it came from a perfect individual. It came from the God-man. I know you have your Bibles with you, so let's turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 11. Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 11. And I'm reading from the ESV. The Bible says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, you know, shepherds there means pastors. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, I'm going to say pastors, the pastors, and the teachers. In some translations, it will say pastor, the King James, for example. Now, let's ask ourselves a few questions. Who gave? It says, and he gave. Who is the he here? Who gave? It was Jesus. You see, I can't give you something that doesn't belong to me. He had to give it. He had to give this because it belonged to him. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, it all belongs to him. This is the ascension gifts. It all belongs to him. He had to be the one that gave it. No man gave it to the church. Even though God used Peter to start the church and other church fathers as well, no man gave this to the church. It was Jesus. It was Jesus who gave it because it belonged to him. You can only give something that belongs to you. We need to ask ourselves the question, when did Jesus give the ascension gift? I think the answer is in the question, ascension, 40 days after he rose from the dead. When he went up in the clouds of glory, that's when he gave it. It's called the ascension gifts. Amen. Where did they come from? They came from him. Why? Now let's listen to this. Let's, let's understand this. He gave it because he was ascending, right? Right. You understand? Where did it come from? It came from him. It belonged to him. It belonged to him. This was his ministry. This is what he was doing when he was alive. For his 33 and a half years that he was alive, three and a half years that he did ministry, this is what he was doing. And when he ascended, he asked his disciples to continue what he was doing. Now we have to ask ourselves the question, for what? Or why? Why did he do this? Because he was ascending, but why? Why? Why just why why do this? There must be more to that than just ascending. That's that's the superficial answer. That's at face value. He's he's leaving. Why? Why? Let's 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 go and take let's sink our teeth into this. Why? The answer is in verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of of the ministry. Whose ministry? His ministry. He gave the ascension gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 
Whose ministry? I ask again. Whose ministry? His ministry. We need to stop there and stop, stop, stop there and reevaluate ourselves. This is not my ministry. It's not your ministry. It's not his ministry or her ministry or their ministry or our ministry. It's his ministry. First and foremost, it is his ministry. Amen. It is his ministry. Jesus gives an instruction in the book of Luke. Occupy till I come. And we all have to occupy until he comes. We all have to do what God has asked us to do until he comes. It may be for the next hundred years, the next two hundred years, the next a million years. Who knows? Only the Lord knows. But until he comes, this word of God is still relevant. All the instructions there are still relevant. And from generation past to generation future and to generation to come, if the Lord tarries, we have to be obedient to the word of God. All of us have to occupy till he comes. It's nothing new. It's nothing new. Now looking out, you're probably thinking to yourself, ministry, we all can see the abuse that happens in ministry and the usage that happens. I think the abuse is quite obvious. The abuse is very obvious. For one example, you can say something like, my church, my rules. That's the abuse in ministry. That's the abuse in ministry when you have to worship the pastor first and the eldership, the leadership, the pastor's family before you actually worship Christ. It's disgusting, but it happens in some churches. The pastor is held in such high regard that Christ has taken a second place. The pastor, his wife, is held in such high regard that Christ has taken a second place. The pastor, his wife, and his family have such a high regard that Christ has taken a second place. And this happens across all denominations. This is happening in the church of Jesus Christ. And some of these people know it and they use it. They abuse it. They use it for their selfish gain. They're abusing it. They're abusing what Christ has given. They abuse it. I mean, look what's happening now with T.B. Joshua's grave. People are going and praying to him in the grave. They're going and praying at his grave. That is not biblical. That is not biblical. I ask you this question. Will you not know the tree by its fruit? So after this man has died, they're doing this, and we know it's not biblical. What was going on when he was alive? Surely we must be able to know the tree by the fruit. If this is what's going on at his grave. Because nobody's worshipping the grave of Jesus Christ. We go and visit the empty tomb and we rejoice because he's alive. But no one's going and worshipping his grave. Or any other grave of the church founding fathers for that matter. Or any other grave of great men and women of God. We must know the fruit. You know the fruit, you know the tree. The fruit gives the tree away. Bad fruit, bad tree. That's the abuse that's going on in ministry. 
That's the abuse that's going on in ministry. And many people have turned away from Christ and the church because of the abuse, because the scriptures get twisted, they get perverted, they get abused. Instead of worshiping Christ, taking people to Christ, using the scriptures and taking people to Christ, people want to take the scriptures to put you under control, to misinterpret the scriptures for their own selfish gain, the abuse in ministry. But the use is beautiful. When you understand the use, when the scriptures are applied properly and appropriately as to how they were intended, it's a beautiful thing because it encompasses Christian living and the joy of having the Holy Spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. David cried out, create in me a clean heart. Renew the right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of having the Holy Spirit. When we understand that the Word of God is God-breathed. It's the breath of God. And we know God through the Scriptures. It's not about knowing how to please a man or a clergy or leadership or eldership. It's about pleasing God. The scriptures become beautiful. And when we understand that, we understand what a beautiful thing it is. We want to know more about Christ. We want to know more about the scriptures. Because it's about taking us back to a place of God. Taking us back to a place of communion with God. Amen? And the thing is, we have to ask the hard questions in order to get the right answers. We have to ask the hard questions in order to get the right answers. Threefold versus fivefold. A lot has been said about this. Many books on both sides have been written. Many sermons have been preached. And if I just take my opinion into account, I don't think this thing will ever come to an end. We'll be talking about threefold versus fivefold, probably until Christ returns. But I want to ask you this one question. Between both theories, between both views, threefold versus fivefold, which has the most loopholes? Which brings you to Christ and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit to exemplify Christ which one exemplifies Christ? Which one has the most loopholes? Between the threefold and the fivefold, which one has the most loopholes? I'll leave that to you. You decide for yourself. You know the scriptures. You have the Holy Spirit. You search the scriptures and you have communion with the Holy Spirit. You decide for yourself which one has the most loopholes. Brothers and sisters, let us not think more highly than we should of ourselves. This is in relation to the ascension gifts and to one another. You see, because I'm a pastor doesn't mean you must abuse me. Let us not think highly of ourselves. Because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean I must abuse you. 
Let us, let me not think more highly of myself. The scriptures is there for the person in the pew and the person in the pulpit. We both must come together in unity to exemplify Christ, to lift up Christ, to glorify Christ. It's been given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The pulpit is a saint and the pew is a saint. It's for us. It's to equip us for the work of the ministry. Not one person over the other. And because one person may be a pastor, you can't threaten them. You can't hold that against them. And because one person is a pastor, I can't threaten the rest of you. I can't hold that against you. We can't take each other hostage. We have to love each other. We have to esteem the other higher than ourselves. Amen. You see, in, in the book of Genesis, the Bible makes it clear that he's given us dominion. But he has not given us dominion over human beings. We don't dominate human beings. He's given us everything else. He's put everything else under our feet. We are made in the image of Christ. But we don't dominate human beings. <laughs> no one is better than anyone else. From the least to the greatest, no one is better. If you think you're better than the next person, you need to check yourself. No one is better. You're thinking more highly of yourself than you should. We have to love each other. Especially in times of difficulty, we get tested. We still have to love each other. When we have different views, biblical views, different views of society, secular views, we still have to love each other. We still have to portray Christ. We still have to glorify Christ. We still have to bring glory to our Creator. Amen? We still have to bring glory to our Creator in all that we do, especially when it comes to the Scriptures and handling the Scriptures, interpreting the Scriptures, applying the Scriptures. It starts at grassroots. We have to bring glory to our Creator. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, Calvary with Caleb Suku. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications. You're welcome to rate, review, or comment below. Until next week, let Christ be seated in our hearts. God bless you.